Verse where it says to hold fast to God at the end of that chapter is the same word that's used to say cleave in Genesis when it's talking about a man shall cleave to his wife. It's that close relationship. So we should hold fast to God in that same Great point. Thank you. 31 one day. Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and commit. Also the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispose them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites in their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. The Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with, with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Moses is 120 years old, and he will not cross the Jordan. That really was not because he was old, but because of God's judgment against him, as we've seen earlier. But he wouldn't be going in. That would be an unsettling thing. From the days of Egypt, Moses has been the one that God has chosen to lead the people. But it really is not so important that Moses will die and not cross the Jordan with them. The important thing is the continued presence of the Lord. It is the Lord who will cross with you, the Lord who has given them the victories this, uh, to this point, and the Lord who will deliver the land into their hand. We, we get caught up in focusing on the humans God uses to do the work instead of the God who's using them. It really doesn't matter who God uses. It matters that, matters that God is with us. And so they needed to not be so worried about Moses not being with them and focus on the fact the Lord is with them, therefore be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. God is the one who goes with you. It doesn't really matter who the human leader is. If God is not present, the project will be ruined. If God is present, we will gain the victory. God, Moses called Joshua and encouraged him. Really, Joshua needed the very same message that the people needed. He needed the message to be strong and courageous. He needed the message to trust in God as the one who will be with you who will not fail or forsake you. He needed to have the encouragement to press forward because God is with us. That is a message we need. In every work we do for the Lord, we must only focus on the presence of God with us. That is the only factor that matters. If God is with us, we have the strength, we have the ability, we have the wherewithal to complete the project. We begin to be fearful and doubt because we're thinking about our own strength or abilities that surely are never equal to the task that God gives us. 
But when we think about God being present with us and what God has done as He's been present with others, wasn't that David against Goliath? Was David saying, I'll tell you what, I'm a dead eye with a slingshot. I think I can handle it. That was not David's thought. David was not relying on what he had been able to do, but he knew that God would be with him because this uncircumcised Philistine is defying the armies of the living God. That was his trust and confidence. The point of the David and Goliath story isn't that we better start training all our troops with slingshots. It's it's a wonderful uh, technique, you know, it'll, it'll kill them all. It has nothing to do with the stone. It has everything to do with the Lord. God can use the Davids to kill the Goliaths. It doesn't matter what we have. It matters who is with us. And so we go out here to teach the gospel to the lost, which is our mission. That's our conquest. And we are thinking, well, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't know enough, I don't know enough, I'm not capable, I don't talk well, I, I don't know how to, I don't have a good personality, I've never, but, and we just, we, we'd say all these things about, and they won't listen, and I know they won't listen, and they won't like me, and they'll shut the door in my face, and, and, and we, wow, I, I probably used this with some of you, but, but this is a good <coughs> illustration at this point, uh, I think, my dad, told about on old-time radio. He had several of those old-time radio stories. I have no idea what this was on or whatever, and he may have embellished it. But about this guy who was uh, on a very deserted road in the middle of the night, and he gets a flat tire. And he has a spare but no jack. And he thinks, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There will be no one around here. No one would be able to loan me a jack. But he has nothing better to do, so he starts walking down the road and he sees a light way up in the distance. And he thinks, that wouldn't be the light of a house. There's no houses around here. There's nobody here. But he gets a little closer and sure enough, there's a house. He thinks, there won't be anybody home. There's nobody at that house. He gets a little closer and he can actually see through the window there's people there. And he thinks, well, they wouldn't have a jack. And you know, if they did have a jack, they wouldn't loan it to me. And he's knocking on the door, and the person answered, he said, you just keep your old jack. And he turned around and walked away. <laughs> Is it that exactly what we do? You just, you just be lost. And we turn around and walk away. We've decided already that the Lord's not strong enough to convert anybody anymore. That, that the, Lord, the Lord doesn't have what it takes. And we sure don't have what it takes. And so we're ready to write them off without even giving them a chance. Certainly, the Lord never guaranteed everybody to be converted. The Lord is glorified by His Word being taught. Even if people aren't converted, He told Ezekiel, they're hard-headed and hard-hearted, and they probably won't listen preaching. He told Isaiah the same thing, and Jeremiah the same thing. I'm not so sure He's told that to us, but He wants His Word to be taught. He wants His mission to be accomplished. And if we will trust in His presence with us, We can do the same thing. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. God is with you. He goes with you. So that is the encouragement to the Israelites. It's the encouragement to Joshua. Comments or questions? Does it not speak well of Moses? That Moses publicly endorses Joshua's leadership. And gives the people every reason to believe that God will work with Joshua just as he's worked with him. That is a hard thing to do. It's hard 
to relinquish the leadership and, and give every encouragement to the new leader. But Moses does that because he trusts in the Lord. 9 through uh, 13. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the at the time in the year of the release, at the feast of booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place that He will choose. You shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble, uh, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner with your, within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the, all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going to glory uh, over Jordan. Okay, so Moses, having written the law, gave it to the priests, and he ordered the law to be read every seven years at the Feast of Booths. Nehemiah 8, I believe, is a reflection of that command. Every generation needs to hear the word of the Lord. Now, this is not the only time the word of the Lord was read, heard, discussed, We've been talking about it in chapter 6 and other passages where the parents were to be talking about it and teaching it constantly and write it everywhere. We know from various passages both in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that the priests were supposed to teach the law constantly. But there was to be a formal period every seventh year at the Feast of Booths where the law would be read to all Israel as well. Uh, that There's just nothing like the reading of the law. You know, to whom God gives much, He requires much. We are so blessed to have every avail- available resource to help us in our Bible study. We have abundant Bibles in various translations on our <laughs> cell phones, for crying out loud. It's crazy. We have all kinds of Bible study aids and helps of every sort and nature. Any word that's in the Bible, you can press a couple of buttons and find every passage where it's at. You, there's just, there's just a, an almost embarrassing abundance of help in study and understanding. We've got Bible studies, great sermons and classes online all over the place from people who study the Bible for decades and are faithful Christians. We've got just an incredible amount of resource. Of all generations, we should be the generation that knows this book so well, that loves God so much that we take advantage of every blessing He's given us. And there is no excuse for us if we are not people who has this practically memorized. We need to, we need to really love God's Word and realize that He has just abundantly blessed us with this opportunity to know Him through His Word. Comments and questions? Yes. Yeah, and we've got to use our brain to learn about the Bible. That's exactly right. Okay, 14 to 23. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and pour after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them. And they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done because they have turned to other gods. Now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that the song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing of milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and have grown fat, they will turn to the other gods and serve them, and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come, come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. So the Lord wants Moses and Joshua to come before him. The Lord appears to them. And the Lord says, here's what's going to happen. The Lord knows well the sinful tendencies of his chosen people. And he knows that as Moses dies, the people will find strange gods, they will forsake the covenant, and he will punish them, and they will wonder what happened. Where was the Lord? Was he not with us? And he says in verse 18, I will surely hide my face in that day. That is the worst tragedy that could occur. When the Lord hides his face, when God is not there, to be banished from the presence of the Lord... The greatest blessing there could be is for God to be with us. And the greatest tragedy is for God to hide His face from us. That will be the consequence when they leave the Lord and turn after other gods. But God is doing everything He can to try to keep the people from going that direction. So, He has Moses write a song that He teaches to Israel. You know, sometimes you can learn things better Maybe be more moved by them. Maybe remember them longer in a song format. God's trying to give them every possible way of strengthening themselves so that they do not fall away. So He has this song that Moses wants uh, that, he, that God wants Moses to write and to teach the people, so that that's one more witness for God and witness against them if they violate. He says, when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, they're prosperous. That's the dangerous moment. The very prosperity that God would give them, that God would bless them with, may lead them away from God and to worship the idols. That's his worry. And so this song will be a witness 
They've learned the song, they've known the song, they've sung the song, and the song will testify they knew God's will, they could have done it, and they chose not to. God knew very well where they were headed, and he, He's done everything possible to forestall that. They need to, to do everything they can to be faithful to the Lord. Comments and questions on this? Yes, Jason. It's amazing, you know, God knowing full well what was going to happen, yet He still loved, loved His people. You know, it's such a lesson for us when we're dealing with people and, you know, we, we tend to back away when things aren't looking good. But when God continues, He is loving, even, loving us even more. I know they probably won't stick it out, so I don't want to get emotionally invested. I think that would be a lot of our thinking. Somebody who seems like they're probably not very um, um, persevering. You know, if we get really involved with them, we'll just get hurt. So we back away. God doesn't. He knows exactly what will probably happen, but He still loves them deeply. John? This is the same Moses that wanted to argue with God when he wanted Him to go rescue His people. I think that gives us insight that people can change from almost belligerence to faithful leading. It's a great point. Yeah, God has done a lot with Moses, hasn't he? You know, Moses is a very encouraging character. And remember, up till age 80, Moses is pretty much a total failure. You know, he had managed to do nothing other than get himself uh, um, expelled from Egypt and care for some guy's sheep for about 40 years. God did a lot after that. Austin. Well, and along with that line, you know, Moses has spent a great deal of Deuteronomy blaming the people for him not entering. And here he's maybe not forgotten it, but that's not his emphasis. His emphasis is on how will you serve God? You know, I've lived 120 years here. This is what I've done. What will you do? And that needs to be the same thing that we live our lives as. Is what does our legacy look like? It's not money. It's not things. But it's it's what people see in us and how we represent God. Yes. It does speak very well of Moses. I think his concern and care for the people. And, and that's a great example for us. If we're a Moses life, we are seeking to help strengthen our brethren so that they will stay strong in the Lord in every situation. Other thoughts? Chuck? I just really appreciate the example we have of, of God and Moses and Joshua and the people and their relationship. Um, and, and specifically with this phrase, be strong and of good courage, because you see Moses delivering this message to the people and to Joshua, and God brings this message to Joshua. And then you look in chapter 1 of Joshua, and Joshua's bringing this message to the people, and then the people repeat that message back to Joshua. And you just have this, uh, this message from God that is, that is told to Moses, it's told to Joshua, it's told to the people, and in all parties they're all telling each other the same message. And, and you just, I don't know, the repeating back of what God has said to one another amongst Joshua and Moses and the people is really cool. Um, it's just a good example of what we should be doing with the Word and, and saying things that God has written to us to one another um, in order to encourage one another. Great point. Amen. Other thoughts? Okay. Uh, so, uh, verse uh, 24 to uh, 30. <coughs> The 
came about when Moses finished writing the words of this law in a book until they were complete. And Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may remain there as a witness against you. For I know you, for I know your rebellion and your stubbornness. Behold, while I am still alive with you today, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more then after my death? Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing, and call the heavens and the earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will act corruptly, and turn from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the later latter days. For you will do which is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were completed. Okay. So Moses wrote the words. He tells the Levites to take the book of the law and put it in the Ark of the Covenant, or beside the Ark, uh, as a witness against them. God knows their rebellion and stubbornness. He knows what's likely to happen after he dies. After Moses is gone, they'll show their true colors. But there will be a number of things that are witnesses against them. Witnesses that they could have chosen the right way. The song itself, from verse 19, he says, Write this song, teach it, put it on their lips, so that the song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. In 26, the book of the law will remain there as a witness against you. And in verse 28, he calls the heavens and the earth to witness against them. I think the idea is the heavens and the earth have seen the whole transaction. They've seen the covenant that God has ordained and the people have vowed to follow. And so of all people, the he- of all entities, the heavens and the earth are a witness that the people have not fulfilled uh, their, their uh, commitment to God. And because Moses says, I know what will happen after I die and how you will turn against God and provoke him to anger. So, God, knowing where they're going, has warned and warned and warned, has done everything that he can, and it's, it's really up to the people. Comments and questions? Yes? Yeah, it's interesting how, um, how Moses is concerned about um, what's going to happen um, to the people after his death. And the fact that it seems as if you know, they're having a hard time serving God while under Moses and how difficult it will be after Moses is gone. I think sometimes today, you know, there's some Christians that rely too much on what a preacher or an elder says, so that when circumstances arise in which the preacher or the elder is no longer there for a particular Christian, the uh, temptation to fall away will probably be even stronger had the Christian not, um, not relied on building his own trust. Good point. Other thoughts? Yes. God, knowing that they were going to betray him anyway, still loved them enough to keep trying to give them a chance, even knowing that it was useless, still put all that attention into them. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. God, knowing what would happen, still loved them enough to give them all that attention. That is, that's a remarkable thing. Aaron. I was just going to say, all throughout this book, you see how Moses demonstrates that his allegiance is to God and not because he's going to get anything like the promised land out of it. He gets nothing out of this because he knows he's not going to get to enter. His joy is in the hope that they'll take the land and 
So Moses really has the kind of attitude toward the people that God does. You know, he loves the people even though there's not going to be anything in it for him. Yeah. Other thoughts? Then, What is the benefit of uh, God through um, Moses telling the people that I know you're going to fail, you're not going to you're not going to follow this. You're not going to succeed. You're going to mess up. What's the benefit on Israel's behalf? Like, how would that have helped them? Well, I take it as a warning, trying to wake them up and trying to say, you know, kind of almost challenging them. You know, um, I certainly don't think it's God's wish, but it is the reality. And this is another way of trying to reinforce how important it is to heed the warnings and be careful because here's their tendency. That's what I would say. Mike? Well, maybe, maybe in this case it worked, but this Joshua's generation, which was the next generation, they did well in the conference. And that, it would seem like he's not talking to the right people at this moment, seeing that the next generation does really well. You know what I mean? In terms of the conquest. So this warning may have helped them. Maybe so. It sounded a little bit to me like when Paul says to the Ephesian elders, you know, not very long. Right. You know, some of you are going to lead other people astray. They hadn't yet, but you know, it's going to happen. Anyway. Good point. Yeah, I like that thought. Austin. Just because we we're able to sin doesn't mean we need to sin, right? And, yeah. and and just because Moses says this, he could the people could have stood strong and firm and not done this. Now again we we know the history, but again, when when we read that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, that doesn't give us an excuse to keep on willfully sinning. Right. And when God said Jonah uh, Nineveh would be destroyed in forty days, they did repent. Yeah. Alex knowing precisely the way that they're most likely to fail would help them to avoid falling into that trap. And when we look at our parents and their failings, I think a lot of times we fall under the same same problems. Uh, so looking at our parents and those who, who, are, who are around us is a good way for us to be aware of what we will likely face. Sure. It is. Other thoughts? Yeah. Is there ever a scenario, or since God's not speaking through us as prophets, um, is there ever a scenario in which we would use similar language to this, as far as, you know, you guys are going to mess up, you're going to fail, is there any scenario in which that would be a uh, helpful or profitable way of speaking? Well, certainly warnings are. This may be a little bit stronger than just a warning, almost like a prediction, but certainly warnings <laughs> say, you know, I mean... I have sometimes said, you know, I mean, by every other thing that we would know, you know, the chances are in 10 years, several of you will not be serving the Lord. You know, I mean, I hope that's not the case, but everything would indicate that is. You know, things like that. I, I would give warnings like that. Other thoughts? Well, let's look a little bit. Yes, uh, Monica. I just look at this at the end of Moses' life, and I, I just keep thinking about how he does not want to be the one that led him out of the land of Egypt. And I just think so often we may not want a job that we see needs to be done, 
But God will give us the strength to see things through and do good Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Moses didn't exactly uh, eagerly volunteer, but uh, God was able to use him anyway. Andrew. And not only that, but um, despite how negative Moses' message is here at the end with his own words, it sounds very much like everything else God has said up to this point. You're right. And so we see Moses has come a long way, and he has had a really close relationship with God and now, even with his own words, he sounds the way God does and how much should we, uh, the more we come to know God, speak the way that God speaks. Good point. Other thoughts? Okay. Hold on. Let's go ahead and do uh, 30, 32, 1 to 6. We'll get into this.